Hello and welcome to the On The Whistle podcast. We are looking at Egypt today. The Pharaohs are coming into the tournament off the back of a finals performance last year. Massively disappointing not getting to the World Cup. But suddenly things are starting to look up again. This is an Egypt team that is starting to play some proper football. Joining us to talk about this nation, the Pharaohs and their chances at the AFCON is the Guardian's very own Yara El Shabori. Yara, who was a big part of our coverage of last year's AFCON, joined us pretty much every day for our Twitter spaces to discuss what was ended up being a brilliant run from Egypt to the 2021 final. Joins us again to discuss why this Egypt team might actually look a touch better than the team that made it to the final a couple of years ago. Enjoy. Yara, it is so good to see you back on the podcast. I'm trying to think the last time we had you on the podcast probably was the last AFCON, actually, talking about on our Twitter spaces, talking about how Egypt were doing. And we had you on a lot and speaking to you a lot, along with Yosef and, and some of the other guys, you know, speaking a lot about Egypt because Egypt, against all the odds at the last AFCON, did so well. To, to get to the final, we were just speaking about it before we started recording about how ludicrous that last AFCON was from an Egyptian perspective. I mean, before we get into how you guys are going to look at this tournament, you know, what are your kind of presiding memories, core memories of, of two years ago uh, in Cameroon? I think my core memories are just sheer disbelief after every full-time whistle and just thinking to myself, what just happened and how did we just win this game? Because that's really kind of what the narrative was last time Egypt was playing at AFCON. Um, we played very poorly for most of the tournament. We still managed to win a bunch of games, undeservedly probably. And uh, yeah, it was just a mess from a bunch of different angles. That's what I would call it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, as I said to you, I'll go through all the results of the last AFCON. Egypt were in a group with Nigeria, Guinea-Bissau, and Sudan. Lost 1-0 to Nigeria. Beat Guinea-Bissau 1-0. Beat Sudan 1-0. Beat Ivory Coast on penalties after a 0-0 draw. Beat Morocco 2-1 after a 1-1 draw in, in normal time. Drew 0-0 with Cameroon in the semi-final and won on penalties. And then drew 0-0 with Senegal in the final and lost on penalties. I mean, that was the most attritional tournament performance in the history of tournament performances and i think for me the presiding memory is carlos Quiroz in the stands on his little was he did he have earphones in or talking because he had been sent off and reading his tweets after every game like galvanizing the entire egyptian nation into believing that the world was against you and that you were somehow going to win and you nearly did it in this kind of most brilliant fashion because of course at that AFCON, you know, like you said, Egypt did not play well. You know, you were not a good team coming into it. You were not looking good coming into it. And then you managed, you know, I think Carlos Quiroz only came in right before the tournament and you ground your way through all these results. Of course, that was two years ago. We have moved on since then, or at least a lot of us have. Maybe, maybe not. We'll find out. But, you know, Egypt now under Rui Vitoria, who's, who's the head coach. And on the surface of things, you know, I'm looking at your results. I'm looking at your form coming into it. You know, your te 10 games in 2022, you only lost to Tunisia and Fendley. Eight wins, one draw, one loss. You know, how, how does it feel coming into this tournament, you know, after looking back at that crazy tournament two years ago? It's weird. I think I'm a little bit of a, a pessimist fan. And obviously, like you just said, our results have been good. 
um, which is very unlike what our results were leading up to the tournament two years ago. But still, when I'm watching our performances, I just think to myself, have we actually improved? <laughs> have we improved? And uh, for me, to be honest, the answer is not much. Um, because I, I just don't think that there still is any kind of real strong identity in this team. There's a lot of like mishmash. Um, a lot of players kind of do underperform with the national team, which I think a lot of national teams struggle with. But I think with Egypt, it is very prevalent. Um, and yeah, those are kind of my my, my pre-tournament thoughts. I, and, and it is interesting because one of the things that we, you know, has kind of come up in some of these interviews I've done and these previews that we're doing ahead of the AFCON is the idea that, you know, teams coming into tournaments, you know, in cycles and it's kind of, you have these teams in, that are in transition, you have teams that are at the beginning of a cycle, you have teams that are at the end. And it seems that a lot of the big, big countries coming into this tournament are kind of in transition cycles, you know, like Senegal, you have some of the older guard not looking as sharp, you know, Mane, Kuyate, you know, Mendy, Kulabali, you know, they're all moving on a bit in their age, and you have this young generation coming through. Same with Ivory Coast, you have, you know, the couple older guys like Sebastian Allaire and, and players like that coming through. And then you have this young, you know, really exciting core of players like Diamande, Diakite, you know, Karim Konate. And you, a lot of these countries seem to be like they're, they're trying to kind of move into this new era of, young, of younger attacking talent. But when I look at this Egypt team, and I look at, you know, your, t your team that started your last match, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was the exact same starting lineup that played in the final in 2021 in the AFCON. Obviously, you don't have the legendary Gabaski in goal. You're back to Mohamed El Shanawi. But again, that's because El Shanawi, one of the most, you know, consistent and best goalkeepers on the continent was injured. You know, is this, is there a sense that this is just the exact same team that has been playing for the last three years? And is that, is that a good thing? Or is it a sense that actually, you, you know, we need to move on? Where is the next generation? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think Egypt have been in transition. And I say that in quotes for about 10 years now. That's how it feels, at least as a fan, that it, we really seem to be struggling um, with developing players. And obviously we could have a whole podcast discussing, you know, youth development in Egypt and in the Egyptian league and why it's struggling. Um, but it really feels like Egypt has, have just been in transition for so, so long. There's, um, like I said before, just a mishmash of older players, um, some youngsters who are still, you know, they haven't shown really that they can kind of step up and prove, um, what they're worth. Um, so, I mean, you're right. Like when we look at the midfield, for example, um, especially for me, because I've always said that <laughs> Egypt struggles in the last AFCON really came down to their midfield. Um, someone like El Neni or Hani or uh, Fethi, these players, it's just like such a weird dynamic because they've just been around for so long and you would hope that at least they bring some sort of, guidance or experience in that which i'm sure they do but it's just there's not an improvement because of it which is weird to say so yeah egypt has been in transition for about a decade <laughs> yeah absolutely and and, and it, i guess in some sense it kind of makes sense right because you know most countries they go through transitions because you know you have a you know a time when you've peaked you've been a bit successful over a period of two or three years and then you know you, you have to reset and kind of recycle whereas egypt you had you know one of the most dominant phases of football 
in any continent ever, you know, in the, in the, in the you know, mid 2000s and late 2000s, that it is inevitably going to take so long. But then it's also so funny because you're, you're in this time of transition. It feels like Egypt is struggling with the player output, the, you know, you know, bringing through aside from, you know, Salah, we've had a lot of these kind of failed, exciting players. I think of like Trezeguet, who's actually come back into the team and done all right, but, you know, felt like he was going to kick on and he never did players like that. But at the same time, you've still been to two finals in the last uh, three editions of, of, of the tournament. You know, you, you've been so close to lifting it on both occasions. We're really unlucky against Cameroon, you know, in 2017. And then obviously this last one against Senegal was heartbreak. Obviously, you're then on the verge of the World Cup, losing to Senegal in that ridiculous fashion. You know, I, I guess I guess the question is, like, do, is there a sense that things are as bad as they felt at coming into the last AFCON and same because obviously for you guys it's like for any other country that would be seen as quite successful you know you've gone to two, two finals in the last kind of half decade it's looked really good in many ways but at the same time you're not performing you're not getting win and of course this also comes in parallel with Egypt and by Egypt I mean Al-Akhli having the most dominant period of any club in African football you know they've won so many CAF Champions Leagues in a row I think they've been in the final or won it, you know, I think it's in six of the last seven tournaments or something like that. And so, which obviously in that, that Al-Akhli tend to provide, you know, the bulk of the team coming in to the Egypt squad, if not necessarily the starting 11. So I guess there is that question of, is is it all that bad? Is it doom and gloom? Or, or kind of have those two performances where you guys did so well, obviously coming, you know, either side of a really, really disappointing tournament at home when you got knocked out, I think South Africa, were those just paper papering over the cracks that are happening in Egypt? Is Egypt falling behind the Morocco's, the Senegal's, the Algeria's, you know, these other, these other nations? And if so, what, why do you think that is? Yeah, it's interesting. Cause again, it, it all comes down to expectations. Like you said, any other country would be really happy with our results and, you know, maybe we, we should be as well. I think a part of it is that because we feel that we have this star player, this generational player, and we want to we want him to win something, or he obviously wants to win something with Egypt. I think he's made that very clear many times. Um, so it, it feels like almost like a waste that we're going to have this generational player. Some people would argue better than any other player that we had even during the early 2000s era, which obviously we were so successful in. So I think that is part of it. Um, another part of it is, again, you feel that you're falling behind some of these bigger nations. Obviously, Egypt have seven AFCONs, um, and that's like a, a title that people are very proud of. We don't want to be knocked off our perch or whatever. Um, so that's part of it as well. I believe Cameroon are second with five. Um, so yeah, that, they're, they're creeping up on us. We don't want to lose that. And again, I think another thing is not only are you know, these countries creeping up on us in terms of numbers. But I think the difference between, um, like if we compare to Morocco, for example, who are probably, you know, not our direct North African rivals, but they are a North African rival, of course. Um, just the difference between their federation, between Morocco's federation and Egypt's federation is night and day. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't any other African countries with federation problems, but I think for Egypt specifically, there's this issue where like, we just feel we could be so much better if our federation would just be better <laughs> as well. Um, and there's lots of tons of issues with our federation, obviously, um, issues when they've hired coaches and having, you know, uh, problems with different head coaches, having issues in terms of like, 
um, placing our camps at, at major tournaments. There's, there's so many issues. And I really think that trickles down and it, it really makes people feel upset about the fact that, you know, we could be better if our federation, you know, tightened up a bit. Absolutely. And, and, and this comes to a kind of, a, I guess, a theory or something that I've been thinking about recently is this idea, you know, the last couple of AFCONs, I feel like has been, we've seen the rise of almost like a, a middle class of African nations closing the gap to the top. You know, I think of like Madagascar in 2019 going so far, Equatorial Guinea, Gambia, Comoros from the last tournament, obviously all three doing brilliantly. Whereas now it feels, you know, moving past that, that it feels scarily like we're in an era where actually the gap is going to expand between the top countries and the rest. And by the top, I mean, especially Morocco and Senegal and I potentially throw Algeria in there as well, because they're so well run and in very different ways, I think is, you know, worth noting like Senegal, their club football is, you know, struggling. It's, you know, nowhere near as strong as Egyptian, Moroccan, South African, but, you know, both Morocco and Senegal have absolutely been cleaning up everything since that, since the AFCON, you think U17 AFCON, under 20 AFCON, Chan, you know, all of these won by Senegal. Um, and Algeria and Morocco tending to be in the final, if if not, you know, competing there. And I guess I then think of these other big traditional heavyweights that have been left by the side, like your Ghana's, your Nigeria's, where it's I can't, I really struggle to see them even competing anymore because they're so badly run. There's such, you know, there's so many problems. Whereas Egypt, you seem to be in this kind of half space where you have the infrastructure and the you know facilities and you know everything like that 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 in Morocco, Senegal, and Algeria have in terms of the stadium capacity, blah blah blah. But then you seem to have the same like federation problems as Nigeria and Ghana, where you 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 know it is so dysfunctional. I mean, you even think of the last Afcon, and and maybe that's why there you haven't been able to put together anything. You know, do you do you have any hope that things things will change? And is there almost a sense of like? It almost doesn't matter how well we do in, at this AFCON because it, the, the future is still so bleak in terms of that. Um, I think, to be honest, I think general fans, you know, they want success now. And and when I say general fans, I'm definitely lumping myself in that. I'm not trying to be pretentious in any way. And I think people would die for an AFCON win in January and they wouldn't even care about the future. They wouldn't say, oh, an AFCON win today would make us be bad for the next five years. I don't think people would care. Um, I think they would take the AFCON win. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I do think that the gap is just going to get bigger between heavyweights and everyone else, the heavyweights that are run well. And I, I don't see an improvement. I think like there's just such a diff disconnect between the board um, or the federation, sorry, and the players and the fans. It's just, it's so wide at the minute and there doesn't seem to be any sort of like anyone really fighting for a resolution um, during one of our last um, games at this most recent um, international break. Um, yeah. You have our captain, our star player. So like in the interview after the game, um, we're, we still don't have fans in stadiums. It's almost been, you know, what are we 2023, like over 10 years now of fans not being allowed at, to full capacity in you know, non-tournament games. And he's saying in the interview, he's almost begging, like, I really hope that next time we can have, you know, a full capacity because it, football is so ingrained in Egyptian culture. And, and if we can't have fans, then what's the point? So that's just like, just one example of the board really um, 
you know, failing to meet fans' expectations. And again, that fails the team in a way because Egypt historically has so heavily relied on fan support um, yeah. for both national team and club football as well. Yeah, and and on that, it's yeah, that is such an interesting thing that we should never brush over in terms of that. And how do you think that impacts the connection between the fans and the team? Because obviously, like you said, like Egyptian fan culture is in many ways like no other. You know, I think of like in terms of the intensity, the pressure, the passion, like I, as well as the size of just population, as I don't see any other country like almost in the world that can kind of that has the same relationship with football, because, you know, you think of the other countries that I would necessarily say are like football crazy. I think the only one that is comparable in terms of population as well, as well as success is Brazil in, in, in South America. I don't see any, you know, your England or Argentina, you, start, you know, just the size of Egypt and then the, the amount of, like you said, how football is ingrained. How does that impact the relationship with players? Because obviously Salah famously in this country is seen as someone who's quite, you know, despite his superstar status is seen as quite standoffish. He's not really engaged with like the wider public. He's not seen as, you know, as being, I guess, one of the people because he's just kind of almost seen as one of these kind of football robots who's just taking care of his body, you know, recover, rest. You know, is there still that same sense in Egypt of that disconnect between the fans and the players? Or is it kind of seen slightly differently, both for Salah, but also the rest of the team? Because, of course, Egypt has so many domestically based players. Yeah, um, I definitely think there is a disconnect. I think part of what um, made that early 2000s team so loved, of course, they were so successful, but they did feel like, you know, your next door neighbor, your friends, uncles, whatever. Like it just, there was like just this very deep, special connection. Um, and you hear people all the time talking about how they have personal stories with so many of the different players from those years. And I, and I, I think that's also just like a, a an evolution of our, our world today. Like, I wouldn't say that this is just specific to the Egypt national team, like just with social media, with people, you know, having less respect for boundaries and privacy and things like that. I don't blame anyone for being more private, especially someone who's very famous and successful. But just the, the idea that there's no fans, of course, it prevents um, that connection. And it also allows for um, more criticism and that criticism to turn into maybe like harsher words, um, harsher statements that are not constructive criticism that could just be more insult because again, you don't feel that connection. So it's like, well, why do I care about this player? Which is not an excuse, but it's, it's something that happens. And I think this team is under immense pressure um, from fans because there is a lack of connection. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we can't talk about Egypt in a preview without mentioning and really focusing on Mo Salah because, you know, of his st status, not just within Egypt, but within world football. And he seems to be reigniting again this this season. He looks like he's back to his absolute machine-like best and just unbelievable player. You know, you kind of touched on it earlier, and I feel like this is the inevitable question, and I hate asking it, but I think it's un unavoidable when it comes to Mo Salah in Egypt, is in terms of his legacy and the way in which he will be viewed in history in Egyptian history because again if you go to almost any other African nation any other nation in the world it's really hard to find like one if not multiple players of that kind of caliber that status that star whereas in Egypt you have like 
a ludicrous amount because of your success. But also, you know, like most when I, you know, when I'm looking at a lot of nations, one of the first things I do is I look at their kind of history and I look at their caps and stuff. And Egypt is one of the only countries I've come across where you have like multiple, multiple people. Yeah, I haven't looked at the exact number, but certainly like at least 10 or 20 players with over 100 caps. And that is ludicrous. And a player like Mo Salah, who is, you know, one of the greatest forwards of, of a generation, still isn't the top goal scorer of Egypt. You know, he's still behind Hassan El Shazli, who, you know, was in the 60s and 70s. And that kind of history that comes with a team, a nation. And then on top of that, you've had this golden era that, you know, unlike I said earlier, unlike any other country, captain or kind of led by Mohamed Abu Trika, who's obviously this super legendary figure in Egypt, you know, but I, and specifically with Egypt and the success he brought for them, you know, how much does Salah in his legacy for Egypt need to win the AFCON? And, or does it kind of at this point, actually what he has done for the, the team is enough in terms of getting them to two finals, you know, in terms of actual quality, probably being their best player and, at, you know, arguably Africa's best ever player, you know, wh where does his legacy sit, sit in all of this discussion? And I guess maybe even more importantly, like, do you think he has the longevity in him to have another crack at the World Cup? Because, you know, Egypt are probably in their best ever spot to get to the World Cup now with the revamped qualification. Yeah. I mean, the the first question is obviously so difficult. I think you will get varying opinions depending on who you talk to. I think a lot of people, though, would say, regardless of if their opinion is, yes, he has to win an AFCON to be our greatest ever player, or no, he he doesn't have to he already is um I, d I don't think many people would put him at number three number four number five even though we have many legends who have won afcon i think it really is just between him and uh abu treka um and it's just it, it really is like a matter of opinion a matter of generation i think you can tell that he really wants to win one and he feels that that will just be like a, a cap on his career obviously he's won pretty much everything um it, like in in europe with his club it, it really is kind of the only thing missing he's obviously got a world cup qualification which was huge it's obviously not a trophy but it is something that egyptians wanted for so long so it's, it is kind of the only thing that's missing but it's like a big thing that's missing um i don't know it's tough it's a tough question to answer i don't know if i even have an opinion as to whether he is the best or the greatest. I think a lot of it also comes down to what he's done off the pitch. Some people would say maybe he hasn't done enough versus someone like Abu Treka, who's a bit more outspoken. Again, just so many layers to this debate. Um, but yeah, what I can tell you for sure is that he, he you can tell he really feels that he wants one, um, especially when you look at kind of some of his peers. Obviously, he's always been compared to Mane because they were on the same club team. Mane has an AFCON under his belt. He was compared very much to Riyad Mahrez of Algeria as well, same league, North Africans. He has one under his belt. So it's the only thing that he's kind of missing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. And in, well, your second question was, oh yes, World Cup. I, I mean, I think he definitely will want to try and make an appearance at 2026 even if he's not a starter at that point but obviously knowing our team he probably still will be a starter <laughs> um but yeah i i it you're right it really does feel like this is egypt's time to, to to qualify because it's never been easier for us uh so yeah we'll see and you know we've spent almost 20 minutes talking about egypt and we haven't even looked at 
the AFCON we're about to enter, and this is a preview, which is poor, poor form of my part. But I also feel like with Egypt, there's so much going on always that you have to talk about everything that's going around, everything, particularly with that last AFCON. Looking towards this tournament in January in Cote d'Ivoire, I'm looking at Egypt's group, Ghana, Cape Verde, and Mozambique. Obviously, you've got that first game against Mozambique. You're not playing Ghana until the second game, but this is one of the weakest Ghanas we've seen, you know, in a very, very long time. How confident are you heading into the group stage when you're playing against against these three teams who obviously will pose different challenges, particularly Mozambique and Cape Verde are likely to be incredibly defensive, low block, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but obviously you guys haven't had a problem with that in terms of qualification in and your games played, you know, friendlies in 2022, et cetera. How are you feeling going into going into those three matches? I'm actually, I'm feeling okay about the group stages. I, I do think that we should be able to get by. There shouldn't be any, you know, difficulties, any struggles, any surprises. Like I look at some other groups and I think, okay, there might be a, even though this is technically a mismatch, like I think that there, there could be an upset there. I really feel confident in our group. Um, I think we got kind of like an, an easier group. We avoided some of the, the, the bigger teams that we could have gotten. So I am feeling confident. Um, and like we talked about from the former AFCON, Egypt does rely on kind of consistency and, and getting into a form. So I think if we start the group stage as well, it could be a positive for us. Um, so yeah, I am confident. That's the only thing I'm confident about the group stages in January. Yeah, because because of course you, you we have the funny format of twenty four teams. So you have the four best third place teams, and Egypt in their group, if they won their group, would play one of the third best place teams. They wouldn't play a runner up. But then if they won that, their likely opponent in the quarterfinals would be the exact same team you played in the quarterfinals last team, Morocco. But of course, this is a very very different Morocco team to the one that you played in twenty twenty. And even in twenty twenty one, I remember going into that game. I felt like I felt like Morocco were the most complete team. At the, at the AFCON had looked probably the best. I think, you know, Nigeria pre, they're getting knocked out by Tunisia, looked like the most exciting, but I think Morocco looked like the most complete. And Egypt just had this wonderful way of tearing down Morocco and making them play just as ugly as Egypt. And you won in the most awful, wonderful way I could think of in extra time. But I guess for you, coming into 2021, the expectations were rock bottom and you got to the final surely the expectations must be higher but also at the same time they you know where are the expectations because we coming into this tournament you're not amongst the, the big favorites you know the big favorites are your senegals your moroccos you may maybe algeria cote d'ivoire you know how 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 confident are you and in in getting far and obviously i know in egypt anything less than than a title is seen as a failure. But kind of what are the expectations for this tournament in terms of quarterfinals, semifinals? You know, what, what would be seen as a successful outcome for you? I mean, I think you just said it. I think, yeah, nothing short of a, uh, of a win is technically a success for Egypt. That's just what it is because of the history. Um, and I think that that's what the team would be thinking as well. Like, you know, they wouldn't be thinking just because we come up against Morocco in the quarterfinals. Like if, if, if let's say we do get to the quarters and it is Morocco and we, we exit, you know, some people would say like, oh, it's Morocco, World Cup, blah, blah, blah. But I think some people would, or most people would still argue that that is technically a failure on our part. So I think even though I am, like I said, a quite pessimistic fan, my expectations are 
you know, like a, a I think that is success for Egypt that it needs to be, you know, at least a final appearance. Appearance, like, um, I just think, especially when we're, when we've heard so much about how, you know, this is a new generation. Even though we don't, we don't, we haven't seen it, but we've heard so much from the federation. This is a new generation. We can go on to accomplish new things. Great, show us then, because clearly, you know, there's a disconnect. We're not seeing that show it on the pitch at least that's the least you can do so i i don't think it will happen but i think success is a final appearance for egypt definitely yara thank you so much for for chatting to us we we always finish these these previews with with a quick fire round of questions where i'm looking for rapid answers not too much thought put into it and with Egypt, some of the answers are a bit more straightforward because obviously the first question is who who is Egypt's best best player coming into this tournament? Hmm. Let me think. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is obviously exactly. Salah, our captain. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully he can, he can lead us to glory. <laughs> exactly. And last tournament, I uh, we we saw one of the breakout youngsters of of the tournament coming from Egypt, Mohamed Abdelmenem. Yeah, your center back. You know, are there any other youngsters coming into this tournament that you are hoping will break break through into the national team? Or kind of who who would you say are are amongst Egypt's most exciting youngsters at, at this Afcon? I was just looking up his age right now because I don't know if he's technically considered a youngster. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, Omar Marmouche. He's 24. I don't know if you're gonna count that as a youngster in in your eyes. Or... We'll allow it. We'll allow uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Mar Marmosh is obviously, he's not like a stranger to the national team or anything like that, but he is obviously playing for Frankfurt at the minute um, and he's in great form. And um, it was interesting. Our head coach was talking. I'm sorry, this was supposed to be a rapid fire round, but I'm giving you a full-fledged answer That was here. fine. It's good. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was interesting because uh, our head coach was talking um, recently in, in a press conference and he listed Marmosh among strikers which is obviously he's not a striker, he is a winger. But I think that shows that the expectation is that he will be involved with goal scoring. Um, Egypt have struggled with strikers since the beginning of time, it seems like. Um, so we really do need another goal scoring threat other than Mohamed Salah. We can't have just the creativity and the goal scoring threat relying on him. It, it hasn't worked, it hasn't been successful. And I really hope that Marmouche can be that player to kind of ease that um, weight off of him because he's in good form. I think um, Frankfurt played Bayern today and he scored a goal and two assists and they beat Bayern 5-1. Um, so if that's not a statement performance, I don't know what it is. And I hope that he can continue that in January. Absolutely. And my next question is how far are Egypt going to get at this AFCON? I'm putting you in the hot seat. Where are Egypt going to get to at this tournament? Um... I'm going to say, I, I probably think quarterfinals. I think we're going to get knocked out in the quarterfinals. Yeah, quarterfinals. unfortunately. It's, it's been really interesting doing this because you, we get this split of journalists and media personalities who are kind of really enthusiastic and like, no, you know, we may be fourth seeded, but we're going to get to the quarterfinals or whatever. And then we have the, the others who, and I think I've put you on this, the more uh, kind of, I think uh, to put it nicely, kind of reasonable realist maybe some would say pessimistic um but kind of saying uh, but i pre i appreciate it. it absolutely but then if if egypt aren't going to win the afcon who is going to win the afcon in, in cote d'ivoire 
interesting um yeah morocco's obviously everyone has and i want morocco. one country okay okay don't give um, don't give me two or three answers i'm looking for one country <laughs> yeah everyone obviously has their eyes on morocco they want to see if they can kind of replicate that success of the world cup or if it was just like a fluke magical you know run um but morocco you know they they love to do funny stuff at afcon <laughs> they love to mess up in their own way as well i'm excited to hear your morocco preview um so i'm not gonna say morocco i think they're gonna they're gonna fall as well um i think you know what this is probably an out there guess i don't think that they are the best team by a mile but i'm gonna go with the hosts um cote d'ivoire ivory coast i really think i actually don't really think but i, I want to think that it will be a really fun home tournament for the fans um and I, it would be kind of interesting to see like an ivory coast res resurgence because obviously they have quite a fantastic history as well um so it would be a lot of fun i think i think that they have some standout players um that can maybe lead them to a final we'll see but yeah just a fun guess ivory coast are my picks no i love it and, and like you say very rarely does the best team win the, these kind of tournaments and Never. ivory coast are a perfect example they were they were probably the best team in africa for like five or six years couldn't win it and then when they lost players like drogba suddenly didn't look quite as good they go on and win it so you know we ne we never know and this was the beauty of the afcon all right who is going to be the top scorer at this tournament oh good question um who was it in 2020 i don't remember was it Abu Bakr? was it I think it was. It was Abubakar, right? Yeah. Abubakar. Will he be playing again? He always he always comes up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it will be him. Um, obviously, we talked a lot about Salah, and as much as he is a goal scoring threat, I think um, Egypt just loved their low scoring goal, low scoring games. So, yeah, I don't think he's gonna be up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's in the wrong team if he wants to be scoring lots of goals. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, and then my final question. Uh, Vansa Abubakar will be the top goal scorer, but who's going to be the player of the tournament? Omar Marmouche. Omar Marmouche, Okay. Yara, now you're coming out with, with the relentless optimism. All right. <laughs> yeah, I believe. Amazing. Yara. I believe. I love to hear it. Yara, thank you so much for joining us once again. We look forward to to getting more of your expertise, your your cynicism, as well as your your hopeless optimism uh, when we're out in Cote d'Ivoire and watching Egypt, hopefully not crashing out in the quarterfinals against Morocco, but I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Yara, thank you so much for joining us on the On The Whistle podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me.